sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Glad you're hanging in here with us on a Saturday morning. Good morning to you, Ashley Frasca, live in the studio. I'm with DeMarco and Corey. I think same as last Saturday, so this is awesome. We're doing it all over again, green and growing on your Saturday morning on 95.5 WSB. And some of you had a little bit of trouble with um, our signal on 95.5 on the FM this week. So hopefully that's cleared up and we don't sound weird anymore and everything's coming in clearly. You can listen online on wsbradio.com or on the WSB Radio mobile app. So big show today, a lot to talk about, but not a whole lot to do This weekend in particular, I think since it's Father's Day weekend and it may be a rain out, I'm not going to hold you to a lot of gardening projects or tending to anything in the yard for sure. But um, we started off with a story last Saturday about a Nightmare Homeowners Association that uh, would not let people have native plants and they tried to do substitute lawn design rather than a turf because turf management can be costly it can require a lot of irrigation uh, wasteful as far as you know water is a resource sometimes so they were trying to think outside the box and this HOA up in the New England area was like no no but they went to court and the homeowners actually ended up winning that out so I still wanted to hear some stories from all of you if you had any situations like that or something you've got in the yard that uh, neighbors have fought you over or something like that 404-872-0750 would certainly love to hear about that and I also had a post on the green and growing Facebook page earlier this week about lawn art and maybe some of you love Uh, yard art and some of you just hate it it could be borderline tacky but some things some pops of color or little designs art can brighten up any garden no matter the size which is nice it gives you some flexibility if you have a small space and you want something to be the focal point or a larger space and you have things strewn about throughout the yard Um, some are sentimental you know some yard art that you buy or you're given as gifts can be sentimental and even things like wind chimes you know or bird feeders or something like that can really be a nice addition to the garden and I shared uh, a story with all of you the story behind my yard art I've got a little metal sunflower just on a stem pretty tall maybe two feet tall and a marbled butterfly with pebbles Um, with white and gray and blue pebbles on it. I worked with Captain Herb Emery for a number of years, and I always had known how hard he worked in his yard and how much pride he took in his yard out on the west side. And when he passed away, I realized I wanted to be reminded of him. And I thought about him often when I would be outside working as well. I mean, you know, you're sitting there mowing the grass and maybe you've got your headphones in, but that's a good half hour. You have a lot of time to think, and and I like that time. So I was grateful to have been given two pieces from he and his wife's Karen's yard, and that is the sunflower and the butterfly. And I cherish them. I really do. That's been since 2014, since he passed away. I can't do the math that quickly. Seven years almost. Um, I, I do have them prominently displayed in garden beds where I can see them every day. And so that was the beginning of my little yard art collection. And he was so so happy for me when I started guest hosting the Lawn and Garden Show right here for Walter Reeves back in 2013. Um, he was so proud of that, that I had an opportunity to step outside of traffic and do something a little bit different for the station. So 
I threw out, what is your favorite yard art? The one thing you have in your yard that you absolutely love. Maybe it was a gift from someone. And the story that goes with it. 404-872-0750. One of my favorite things that I a photo someone shared with me online years ago is this really large tree. The picture's taken from a distance, so I can't really tell what kind of tree it is. But someone took two white beach balls and painted like pupils on them. So they're white beach balls, like eyeballs, and you paint the little pupil on each one, and they're up in the tree. And so it looks like the tree is looking at you. And I think that is the coolest, funniest thing ever that uh, maybe you could like point two beach balls out of out of a tree, point at your neighbor's yard, and just really give them the heebie-jeebies. But, I mean, clever. People come up with some clever stuff. And I went up to Ball Ground, Georgia, up in northern Cherokee County last Saturday, actually, right after the show. And uh, the Ball Ground Garden Club was having their 70th anniversary and a festival and a plant sale. And, man, some of the vendors there, the really, really creative things that they're able to build and design and sell, you know, repurposing uses for old china saucers and teacups and things and gluing those together in such a way that they can become bird feeders or bird baths or things like that. I know you've all maybe seen that at some of the local arts and craft shows that you go to. So any yard art that you just absolutely love that you have a good story behind, 404-872-0750. Already have a few calls lined up. Thank you, Corey. You know what? We're going to talk to a VIP right now, a very important person that I haven't heard from in a little while. Nicole in Griffin, good morning. Ashley, long time no talk. I know. I've been trying to reach you. What's going on? You've been busy. Yeah, work, 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 oh and then, goodness. you know, work in the yard. And this time of the year, uh, boy, it's, if it's not the grass, it's something else. Right. So, well, what are you, are you combating something bad, something annoying, or are you actually uh, pleasantly surprised with the amount of work you have to do and the maintenance you have to do? Well, I start a project. I have a big raised bed in the back. It's probably 8 by 10. It's a big guy. So i done it 20 years ago, but I'll grow up and nothing was growing. So I took three weekends and emptied it out, put new soil and put seed. And I wanted to tell the people, don't buy your seed in the store. Uh, keep your own seed because I put my zinnia seed. It took them maybe a week to come out. I bought some from the store. They still don't come out. I think oh. they're dry from the start. That's what I'm thinking. Well, yeah. and, you know, everything has to be properly stored. And we would hope that the seed packaging companies, you know, in the little paper envelopes, know the ways of properly drying them and, and storing them. And then it's on the store to keep them dry, keep them in a, you know, cooler place. But zinnia seeds are so easy. So explain a zinnia to, to someone, or a zinnia, however you say it. Um, explain that to someone who's never seen that flower and just how pretty it is. Um, it's, re- well, some zinnia are really short, but mine are really tall mm-hmm. because the butterfly comes and, you know, and, uh, it's on a really sturdy stalk, and the stalk is round. Sometimes the stalk is four corner uh-huh. and it's sturdy, but this one is round. It's really tall, and the um, the leaves are really wide. But the flower uh, it come in all the color, and it's like a we plant. Um, annual, you know, but here in Georgia, when it comes July and August, like uh, if we don't have enough rain, those little annual have a heck of a time. So a zinnia is sturdy, it's going to bloom, and then the best part, you 
put them inside the house and dry your own. So I mix a zinnia, titania, and a moon vine. Oh. A moon vine, I put it in the middle because I'm going to put a, a heart, like you say, and the moon vine is going to climb in the middle. You oh. always put your stuff in the middle. They're really high. And then you have the zinnia. Then you get the cascade. Cascading. Yeah, so you're talking about like if you're doing a planter or something like a thriller, spiller, and a filler, like kind of the three dimensions, the three layers of designing a garden pot, right? Yeah, because if you see it from only from one corner, you put the taller in the back, mm -hmm. then the, the filler, and then the cascade it. But if you go, if the, you go around, if it's around, people can look at it around, you put the taller in the middle. And I find an old lamp it's got three things, but it's not kind of color, so I'm going to put it in the middle and the, the moon vine. I don't know if you know about the moon vine. It is something. It only uh, opens at night, yes. and uh, the uh, night creature comes, and it smells so good. And the moon vine is really big. It's like probably a hmm, dinner plate, maybe smaller than dinner plate. Mm -hmm. But just the smell attract everything. The worst thing, you got to get the deer out of it. <laughs> they love the smell, right? If if we like the fragrance, they probably like it too. So moonvine kind of in the morning glory family, and it really, really is a beautiful plant. And going back to zinnias, Nicole, because I want to be clear with folks, for, for lack of better terminology for someone that doesn't know what kind of flower that is, loosely, the petals and the, the size of the flower, they can be large, they can be kind of medium-sized, but the, the general shape of the bloom, I would say, kind of reminds you of a daisy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, because you got many, many petals, mm -hmm. and then in the middle you get this big center that produces seed, you know. And uh, the titania is the, oh, it can be huge too, bigger than the uh, zinnia, but it's got this orange flower that you can see keep the seed too. I want this bed to be only annual because, you know, you... Uh, a, uh, how can I say that? When you're successful with, uh, it, it lifts lift up your spirit. Oh, yeah, sure. An annual, I mean, an annual bed, sure, you still get to enjoy throughout the summer months until it gets cold. So you're talking about maybe four to five months that you can enjoy the things in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so, I say, put, put them in the fridge and bottom of the fridge and clash jar and... Uh, Keep your seed. Yeah, you, just like a sunflower. You cut those flower heads off, folks, when they start to fade. And Xenia is no different. Cut the flower head off and let it dry. And it is really neat, even for a kid maybe, to turn it upside down, you know, like the face of the bloom down on the table and just pick out each of those petals and you get the little seed. It's pretty neat. Dry them very well. I actually just wrapped mine in a piece of paper a couple of years ago and uh, taped it up to the side of the refrigerator and kind of labeled it, kept them there all year and did them the next year. So you're right. Doing that, you know, from viable seed that you've kept, there there is a little bit of pride in that. And so, Nicole, when you were talking about kind of starting over in this bed and you, you even put in new soil, how did you go about doing that? Where did you get soil? Oh, that was a pain. I bet. Because our clay accumulates in the bottom. But then again, the bottom is really sturdy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't touch probably six inch from the bottom. But I went with a tiller, well, Nicole tiller, with just two hands because a tiller is going to damage the wood around it too. 
so I turn and I turn and I had up some sand. I was out. I make my own soil. I go to the woodshed and get the soil that's been there for 20, 30 years. Wow. You turn up and the worm are inside, so you know it's good soil. It's full of worm. Then you mix it with sand and uh, clay and uh, this dirt. And uh, on top to be, you know, uh, give them a good head start, you put a layer of miracle grow or something. But then I had a, wa- a heck of a time with the water because if it's the soil, it's too um, manageable, the water just go right through. Right, right. You know, And you maybe, know. you know, you have to watch the portions of sand as well, because that's good for drainage, but you don't want too much, you know, otherwise like a succulent would be yeah. happy and something like that. Well, Nicole, I am so glad to hear from you, and I'm so glad you checked in this morning. You have been busy. <laughs> yes, I was supposed to ask me to go work today, and I said, oh, I got I got to take a break and cut this grass again. Yep, it's time for me to do it too. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to give the forecast here in about five minutes this weekend. Probably not ideal to cut the grass, but you and I, we got to get it done. Hey, have a good Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. Stay dry. Uh, enjoy your show, Ashley. Oh, thanks. And Nicole. have a good day. Yes, love hearing from you. All right, 404 872 to be on Green and Growing. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to WSB. As you have likely heard, it's going to be a washout this weekend. Scattered showers and thunderstorms increasing during the afternoon, likely in the evening, becoming heavy and widespread overnight. A high of 80 today, low of 68, so that chance of rain going to go up from 60%. And then tomorrow, just rain for Father's Day. That's at high of 79, low of 71. That from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. And the weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. And the good thing about all that rain is it keeps you from having to water your garden. But yeah, if you're grilling out with dad, maybe uh, carefully put the grill undercover or maybe bring it a little closer to the back door or the garage door. That way you don't have to get wet going in and out tomorrow. Okay, so three things to do in the landscape this weekend. We, we kind of brought them indoors a little bit for you. Number one, Make plant identification a little easier on yourself. Some of the apps that I have successfully used over the years to identify plants, uh, Google Lens. If you have Google on your smartphone, which likely you do, Google Lens is right there where you're able to take a picture of a plant and it'll come up with a very close match, if not dead on the exact one. Um, Seek is a good one. S-E-E-K. Seek, that is by iNaturalist. That's a good one. Plant Snap. That's one that Walter recommended for a number of years. Plant Snap. Picture this. I mean, that's not only plant identification. That'll identify just about anything. But picture this. And Plant Net. Plant Net is one that I have not used, but that is one of the newer ones that I found. Um, and months ago, we spoke to uh, Cornell University because they do the great backyard bird count every year. And so Cornell has created an identification app for birds. And that's actually quite helpful. Um, you can pick your region and it's the birds you're most likely to see. But Merlin Bird ID is the name of that app. Merlin Bird ID. If you don't have a bird book and you're a little newer school and want to do everything on your phone, that's a great app. Number two, watering and fertilizing houseplants. And also, don't forget to be rotating them. If a lot of them face a window, you may see them tilting a little bit at a little bit of an angle. They're reaching for that sun. So every now and then, go around, rotate that pot around maybe 180 degrees. And also, check for bugs. 
Number three, plant herbs, basil, rosemary, oregano, easy to grow. Just keep in mind they need full sun to be mostly successful and only require moderate fertilization. All right, we're going to be back with Walter Reeves. Don't know what conversation we're going to have, but it's going to be something super helpful to you for sure. Walter Reeves, former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, coming up in less than 10 minutes. Stay tuned to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. A little after 6.30 in the a.m. Thanks again for being here. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Not a lot of productivity happening out in the landscape or in the yard this weekend for sure because it's going to be a soggy one. And uh, we're, we find ways to be productive, though. We're, we're an industrious <laughs> people, gardeners are. And uh, someone who's on the phone with me already being productive up early for you on a Saturday morning, Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. So there he is. Walter, what are your plans this Father's Day weekend, sir? Uh, look out the window, and if it's raining, don't go out in it. That'd be my <laughs> biggest thing to avoid. Don't get wet. I think uh, that's good. My son is my son is in Albuquerque renovating a house, so he won't be bringing me breakfast in bed, so I won't get to enjoy that. But I have some suggestions for other people who want to garden and be indoors if it is raining, because it's supposed to rain you know, off and on throughout the, throughout the weekend. Um, they could watch videos, and Joe Lample, you know, does a great job of some of his online videos about gardening. He'd be super to watch with the kids and by yourself, either one. Yes, so go to Joe, joegardener.com, and also, Walter, a website that we have made reference to a number of times, Pike Nursery, because when you go to pikenursery.com, they've got a little yeah. activity section or to-do section in the upper right-hand corner. And man, some great ideas there. And also gift ideas for dad, which we'll certainly be talking to Pike Nursery about in a couple of hours at 8.30. Um, what was your favorite, if, if you can remember, favorite gift for Father's Day, or maybe it was a birthday gift, but that pertained to gardening in the outdoors, like the neatest little gadget? Lord, you put the two. I don't remember anything gardeny. I got books and I got breakfast and I got things like that, but I don't remember anything gardening. No Most gadget that quite, you just can't live without? Quite frankly, <clears throat> this has something to do with my own personality, but if there's a gardening thing that I want, I get it and nobody can give it to me because yeah. I've already got it. So. Sorry about that. People who want to give me gifts, uh, <laughs> something else regarding things. I've got the shovel and the trowel and the fertilizer and the, you know, other stuff. It's already been given by me to me. You are very self-sufficient in that regard. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Well, so I want to know, though, maybe something Dad could do with the kids this weekend, sneak them off to Pike Nursery today or tomorrow, and yeah, then bring yeah. home stuff to make a terrarium. Do you have an, yeah, a, a terrarium? Sure. That would be a good gift. That's a great idea because all three of them is just a, a glass container. It could be a jar. It could be something heavy in the pantry already. Or you go to Pike and they have some things already there for you and some small plants and some uh, soil to put in the jar, of course. And you and the kids can sit around the kitchen table, put out the new papers to keep from making a mess, but you can sit around the kitchen table and take these little bitty plants and uh, plant them inside the jar. It's really fun. You're making your own little miniature 
ecosystem, your own little world inside a jar. Well, and tell us how that works without, one, being completely open air, and two, really the, the need for no, or well, n- no need for soil. How does it work? You have a little soil at the bottom, a okay. little bit of soil for the roots to, to, to grow into. There was a guy, oh, what was his name? Last name was Ward. And anyway, Dr. Ward, this has been several times, several years ago, and Dr. Ward found that you couldn't move plants around without... You there? Yeah. Shoot. My phone rang again from somebody calling in and just stopped. Hey, live radio. It's okay, buddy. We'll go with it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Dr. Ward was uh, thinking of some way to move plants from one part of the world to another. And he noticed that a little fern had grown in a beer bottle that he had in his office window. He said, dang, how did that fern grow inside the beer bottle? It's corked up in seals for over a year. And so he started making these cases, which were called Wardian, because his last name was Ward, Wardian cases that he gave to ships, captains, and people who were trying to transport plants for plant spores from China to the U.S., from China to the Great you know, England. And finally, these Wardian cases, who were so successful, wonderfully successful, became what we know in modern days as a terrarium. And no animals. I, I guess I get it confused with aquarium. You don't need an animal in there. Yeah, right. No animals. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who has frogs in a little terrarium that he has. Uh, it's about a foot high and a foot wide. And uh, he has little tiny frogs in there and some plants going in. And he washes the frogs on his uh, office desk. That'd be cool. Oh, that's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, when I went maybe last year, they have like a... I'm not even going to get the name of the frog right, but he's bright yellow, and he's really Ooh. cool to look at through the glass, but he's super, super poisonous. <laughs> but we I mean, have those type nurseries. They do not have those no, type no point. Bo- boy, those guys were, they, they were fun to watch and just such a neat, bright yellow color. But yeah, all right, so nevertheless. So we're going to see some frogs outside this weekend for sure. All the worms are going to be coming mm-hmm. out with the heavy rains. And you know, I, I we talk a lot about tomatoes, Walter, just because for beginning gardeners and people that really want to get into that, I somewhat recommend sometimes tomatoes may be a good first vegetable to uh, yeah, you know sure. to try, but they're going to love all this rain. So got to thinking about that, and I wanted to ask you about when folks are getting out in the garden and really starting to see vigorous growth on all of their their vegetables. Oh, yeah. We've got to have trellises or some kinds of cages or something like that supports for some of these plants, tomatoes included, vining stuff like cucumbers, melons squash, that kind of thing. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain on what some of the most common supports are and the easiest way we can go about using those with our vegetable plants. Well, I'm going with tomatoes, of course. You can go to Pike and uh, other garden centers and find tomato cages that have already been made for you. They're usually a cone kind of thing, stick it in the ground, the tomato climb up it. But you can make your own so easily and so cheaply. So if you have more than one or two tomatoes, it makes sense to me to make your own tomato cage and the material that i use is um so welding not welding um concrete reinforcing wire and it's a big panel if you will of wire that's been welded together four foot square or four inch squares on it and you can cut this with a pair of tin snips and fold it or round into a, a barrel shape 
you put it around your tomatoes and you have the openings, those four square openings, you put your hand through to harvest the tomatoes, but it's also sturdy enough that it doesn't blow over. And that's a problem with some of the tomato cages you get that are lightweight. The tomatoes get so heavy, they blow over in the storm, certainly this weekend. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So is that rebar? Is that the same thing? Or no? Rebar is no, not no, really not flexible, flexible, is it? No, rebar is not flexible at all, but these uh, concrete, re- not reinforcing again, it's just concrete panels. If you go to a big box store, they'll have it. They'll know what okay. you're talking about. So making your own tomato cages that way. Now, I've also read a lot of people swear by putting a, a shoot of bamboo in the middle to support it, but that's not really necessary, is it? You no. can. That's not a bad idea. If bamboo tree wood, you have steak that you can put in the middle of your tomato, or if you have um, tall things like glads or dahlias, or things that get real tall and top heavy and flop over, then that's a great thing to put them onto too. Pine with a little piece of string or twist tie, and that uh, keeps the plants from getting in the dirt. Yeah, I love, I've got little wire, wire supports that are just one piece straight up and then has like a curly cue at the top. And that yeah, is that a perfect super. support for my irises and like you said, gladiolas right. and things like that. Um, so now thinking about the things that want to crawl, um, and maybe sometimes it's best not to let them. You know, if you let that squash or that zucchini uh, vegetable stay on the soil it may cause problems for the fruit. You know, it may rot the fruit or something like that. So maybe you do want to bring it up. Maybe you want to prop the melons up or something like that to get them up off the ground. So what kind of supports do we need there and how strong? Well, if it's a melon, of course, it's going to be pretty strong to hold a watermelon. I've seen a support made out of a, there's a couple of stakes that had a, a stake that, uh, between the two. It was three feet wide, I guess, and they used um, women's pantyhose to hold huh. melons up. Hanging them from the from the crossbar on that. So that's not a bad idea. It's sort of weird looking, but you know, catch them up off the ground. I don't think I have bought or worn a pair of pantyhose in almost twenty years. <laughs> like that, those may be hard to come oh, by nowadays. <laughs> Shows my age. We used to have something called pantyhose that women wore, and it runs in them. So you have used pantyhose. You use it right. to guard or hold your melons up off the ground. And I'll tell you guys a little secret: when we had a run in our hose, use clear nail polish, and it stopped oh. the run to where it didn't go all the way down right right now now you know uh, that's information i did not have to ever <laughs> use in my life I right no right no you've never had a use for clear nail polish well so that's kind of cool something like that to cradle the fruit yeah. but then also you know rain is still allowed to penetrate through it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you could be something simpler too for melons things on the ground you could just get a, a clay pot or a brick or a rock or something like that to hold it up off the ground all right. So uh, is it okay, though, if we leave, I'm thinking squash and zucchini, too. I mean, you, you can prop them up, I guess, and let them grow um, vertically. But is is it okay to leave them, let them be? Yeah, I think squash and zucchini are so, gosh, they grow, grow and mature so fast that you don't have the chance to get into any trouble on the ground. Because they get so big so quick, you got to pick the darn things or you won't get any more squash. So uh, if you have a squash, it's the right size to eat to you know, harvest and bring it down inside do it right now because otherwise it'll get too big and when it gets big it stops the production of flowers and that would then stop the production of squash or zucchini too so harvest them regularly over the same yeah and i'm thinking too with all the rain um oh, we've so far kind of been just a yo-yo as usual i guess a few weeks of dry weather really heavy rains for three or four days, dry again. So I'm thinking cracks in the tomatoes as well. If you let those tomatoes stay on the vines too long, that's something you'll want to harvest maybe 
a, a little sooner than you think and let it ripen inside. That's exactly right. As soon as the tomato has turned pink, the, the blossom end of the tomato has turned pink, it will ripen fully inside the house. And so you don't have to let them vine ripen outdoors at all. You can bring them in the pink stage, bring them inside, put them in a warm kitchen window, and the tomato will go ahead and taste great. Great. Okay, now I have one more thing. Selfishly, we've got about a minute, minute and a half to ask you about uh, Mandevilla or I bought Confederate Jasmine back in the spring. Those yes. kinds of uh, vining flowers, obviously not as heavy, so a trellis isn't, doesn't need to be as sturdy for those. But I'm trying to get that Confederate Jasmine to go up the 6 by 6 post of a pergola, <laughs> and I've like lightly tied string, you know, propping it up, yeah, yeah. and it's just not taking. So what do you do? I take little bitty finishing nails and drive it into the wood, and then take the string and tie it to that, and somehow I'm able to get it just, Tight enough, I don't cut off circulation in the vine, but just tight enough to hang on to the string and get itself going somehow. And it goes up the, up the wood sports that I have for my uh, jasmine. So you just use what your creativity. Ask John, ask your husband John what he thinks, and get a little <laughs> team effort going there and figure out some way of holding that vine in place so it can get started and go out the Post. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like the anything's coming off of the vine stem, you know, to adhere to the post. But yeah, we do yeah. like these, Mandevilla right. and the like, that'll grow in morning glories to grow upwards. A lot of times they don't even need our help because they, they reach toward the sun. Yeah, they have ten tendrils on the vine. Those tendrils grab onto things. English ivy has those little hole fast that hold it to the surface. But like you said, there's some vines that don't have those tendrils. You have to have a way of holding it to the post so it gets it able to support itself. And then you have a word for something like that that grows upward rather than just, oh, oh you know, going with gravity. Yeah. What is that fancy word? Figmotropism is one where if a plant t- touches a solid surface, it tends to curl. Ah. And so thigmotropism is what happens when a, when a vine touches something upward and it uh, touches it and curls around it. Little, like, pigtails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, figmotropism. I like that. And then like helio, heliotropism, moving towards towards the sun. sun. Yeah, we, you and I. Oh my gosh, I remember this conversation. It's all coming back to me. We had about a year ago, uh, closer to when I started the show. That was fascinating. All these tropisms, the the directions plants grow and why they do. Neat. Exactly. Towards gravity, away from gravity. Towards the sun, away from the sun. Touch. Yeah, lots of tropisms that plants have. Well, Walter, I love it. You stay dry. If you have to go out today, use your umbrella and your rain boots for sure. But hey, next Saturday, I've got some questions for you about composting. Oh, yeah, great. That's great. I look forward to it. All right. I can't wait to try it. I've got a couple of things I'm working on on my own. So take care and happy Father's Day. Stay dry, Ashley. See you soon. We'll be right back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. If you're just joining us, welcome. A little before 7 o'clock. If you're waking up right now, not too many showers in the area just yet. So, yes, I have time to get in my 10 o'clock tennis match before we're rained out. My husband is so mad because he wanted it to get rained out. He's my mixed doubles partner. Woo! We'll see how that goes. Anyways, but scattered showers and thunderstorms likely during the afternoon. The chances increase there and becoming maybe heavy and widespread in the overnight hours. A high of 80 today, a low of 68. And tomorrow, heavy rain at times. Isolated severe weather can't be ruled out. A high of around 79. That according to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz, who's in for Kirk Mellish and brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. 
So with that forecast in mind, not really going to tell you to get out and do a lot of things unless you want to get it done early. Nicole and I were talking about having to mow the grass. Hey, why not? Have that cup of coffee. It, it needs to be not decaf, DeMarco. You need caffeinated coffee. And then get out there and mow the grass before it gets wet. But three things that you can maybe do inside and stay dry. Number one, still a good time to plant herbs. Basil is an annual. Rosemary, oregano, thyme, all those are perennials. But easy to grow. Herbs do best in full sun. And most only require just a moderate amount of fertilizer. Some do best in raised beds or pots. And that's really because of the ease of access for you to be able to pick them at the right times and good drainage as well. And it's uh, easy to collect or it's best rather to collect herbs early in the morning. And then you rinse them off, let them air dry, and then use them later in the day. Uh, Drying or freezing them will help preserve them as well if you just have more than you know what to do with. So those are fun, good little windowsill plant or something right on the back deck. Uh, Number two, watering and fertilizing houseplants. Not a bad idea right now, and that includes your orchids as well. They need energy. They need fertilization as they're in active growth. And don't forget to turn the pots around. Rotate them about 180 degrees if they're near a window. That way they're not leaning to one side or the other as they try to reach for the sun. And check for bugs. Always be mindful of maybe natural or some kind of flies on the soil, something on the backs of the leaves, and treat those accordingly. And number three, to make plant identification a little easier for you. Um, Over the year and a half that I've been doing the show, and, and for sure, Walter always got questions about how do I identify plants? What good apps are there to use? And so many of them are free um, in your app store on your phone, whether you have a Apple products, Samsung, something like that in your app store, you can look for Google Lens. Google Lens is a really, really good one. Just take a picture, use the camera on your phone to kind of identify what you're looking at. Try to be somewhat on top of the plant, but far backed far enough away to where it comes in clearly and it's focused. Uh, Seek is another good one, S-E-E-K. That's by iNaturalist. I've had success using that one as I walk around Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Most everything is labeled, but some things that aren't, I definitely use that with success. Plant Snap. Plant Snap is a good one. Picture this. That identifies pretty much everything, plants included. Uh, And Plant Net is a newer one that I was introduced to, Plant Net. And also for those of you who are bird watchers and really enjoy the birds, but you don't quite know what's coming to your feeder or what that little guy is, uh, Merlin Bird ID is the name of an app from Cornell University. Merlin Bird ID, and once you download the app, it kind of asks for your region in the United States, and you can see a glossary and index of the birds that are going to be most common for you to see. It's really cool. I I filled the bird feeder yesterday because they had it. It was empty, and they definitely let me know it was empty. So I filled the bird feeder, and then I have a little hanging glass container for mealworms. And I put out mealworms, and sure enough, just as I was hoping, it attracted uh, a bluebird and its baby. So I saw them on the the arm of the uh, the you know the thing coming from the deck that I used to hang the container. They were on the arm. The mother would go to the the dish, get the mealworm, go back onto the arm where the baby was sitting and feed the baby the mealworm. So that was really, really cool. But it was attracting ants, too. So I got to figure out a way to keep the ants out of that for the birds. All right. Well, coming up on 7 o'clock and next week is National Pollinator Week. So I have Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia along in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk all things pollinators, bees, plants, projects, and more. So stay tuned for that. I'm glad you're here. Happy Saturday morning. It's Green and Growing on WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine. 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.